Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Hello, welcome Coach Taku listeners to this next episode of our show. Here with the lovely Christina, and of course I'm Mary. Thanks for tuning in. Christina, I'm really excited about today's conversation because we are talking about one of my favorite animes, well they're all my favorites, Veroni Kenshin, and I know one of your favorite animes, Demon Slayer, and we're having a conversation that, that brings out a lot, I think, in like the short period of time, and it's gonna, we're focusing on power and heart and christina i'd love for you to just like give us a brief and you know like intro to heart and power as they relate to coaching yeah absolutely i'm also super pumped for this episode you know when we talk about heart and power we aren't referring to you know the organ that's pumping your blood or the energy that makes your car move we're actually referring to it as a a way of being or a, a characteristic or a behavior if you will and what Mary and I have come to notice in our years of coaching is there's something special about heart and power in the sense that oftentimes when people bring one, they don't necessarily know how to bring the other at the same time. So think of that friend of yours who is super compassionate and loving and caring, but sometimes might come off as the people pleaser or the pushover. Versus your friend that you know will tell you the truth and give it to you as is, but sometimes may come off as harsh or condescending as a result. Yeah, I love that. I think that was, uh, I think someone who embodies this well for me as I was thinking of what does like heart and power look to look like together? I think it's Oprah for me, Christina. I mean, she brings so much heart, but that woman has so much power too. And it's like this beautiful combination that you get to see in a public figure. Yeah, absolutely. If I had to give a single definition in an image, it would be Oprah. So you're welcome. We're done. That cuts the episode. Just kidding. We're not here to talk about reality TV. We're here to talk about anime. So, <laughs> so I was thinking one thing that might make the most sense is Rurouni Kenshin is, of course, like old school and Demon Slayer is a newer anime. So before we dive into how they really bring together this theme of heart and power, maybe we could offer our listeners like a brief, quick spark notes in case they haven't seen it before. Okay. So Raroni Kenshin is this beautiful story of a man who is known as the Manslayer, the Batosai. And he's a samurai, like a, a, a samurai who's faced a lot of war, a lot of tragedy, and who's like a really good assassin. And he gets to a point in his life where something really tragic happens that changes his whole life and he decides he will no longer use his sword to kill people. So he has like, he uses his sword in a different way so as not to injure or, or like kill, basically kill. I mean, injure happens a lot, killing not so much. But this happened as a result of this really tragic event. Um, and then the whole story is just seeing him uh, from this new place, just how he's been about going about his life and creating community and tribe and starting all over. 
I'd watch it again just for that. Um, yeah, so meanwhile, Demon Slayer, first of all, if you don't haven't heard of Demon Slayer, you must not have watched anime in 2019 because this show hit it so big and went so viral that random celebrities on Twitter were even retweeting scenes from the series. But the premise of it is, funny enough, another sword-wielding protagonist. The story starts with a boy named Tanjiro who's had a really simple, easygoing life in the mountains with his beloved family. But one day, after running errands, he returns home to discover they've all been slain. The only survivor is his sister, who immediately starts to act very peculiar, and it turns out that demons are real. Demons have slaughtered his family, and they've now turned his sister into a demon. And you see Tanjiro come to understand this world that he didn't even know existed, a world of demons and a world of demon slayers, who wield their swords and learn these amazing sword art styles in order to protect humanity. And so it's really ultimately a story about Tanjiro going off to figure out how to cure his sister Nezuko and turn her back into a human, but overall a story of how this demon slayer corpse fights this seemingly infinitely powerful army that they're facing. And so I just noticed that we picked two heroes that both fight with swords, but I'm sure there's other reasons why they'll be perfect for this episode. So how about we get into it, Mary? Yeah, you know, Rurouni Kenshin, uh, I, I love that story for so many reasons, but I think one of the things that I was most drawn to it uh, was that Kenshin is known as this really ruthless, he has like a really ruthless, um, that's how he's known, that's how people know him, it's just like a ruthless killer. And then you'll find that when you watch the anime, he's like so funny and lighthearted and sweet. And it's like, it makes me wonder what kind of person Kenshin was earlier on in his life and how this legend came to be where he wasn't known as that, but he was known as this other very different person. And that's kind of like, that kind of made me curious about this whole aspect of kind of heart and power because you can see the power and he's known for the power. He's less known for his heart. And then I was interested in that because as I was watching Demon Slayer, and I'm not as familiar with Demon Slayer as you are, Christina, I saw the opposite, you know, like here it is. And our protagonist comes off and people are like, I don't know. He has too much heart. He's very kind. I don't know that he's going to be really good at defeating people. I'm not sure we should do this with him. And then he has like the opposite kind of role. But I love that play because both of them have both heart and power. They're just coming at it from different ways. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think to your point, even as we were getting ready to record this episode, it dawned on me what perfect foils Kenshin and Tanjiro are for each other. Because kind of to what you were saying, Mary, Kenshin starts with this reputation of being incredibly powerful. And the series brings out him embracing that more heart-centered side of him. Whereas Tanjiro starts as the heart-centered protagonist and learns how to wield and integrate power for his mission, which I think is also a great point to point out that as coaches, we value both. Like it's not heart is good, power bad, power good, heart is bad, but it's actually about noticing where we automatically choose from or where it's more predictable for us to create our lives, our relationships, our work. And what's possible when we play in the other realm a little bit. Yeah, 
Totally. Um, and you can see it play out beautifully in these stories as you see Kenshin become, you know, more connected, like it brings some relationship with um, the people around him and the community and the tribe in a way that he hadn't, you know, prior to this, he was very much alone. And even his previous relationships were a result, like strictly coming from that powerful, that Batosai persona, his, his relationships were mired in tragedy and loneliness. But then you see him access heart and this whole new world opens up for him in the same way that I think Tanger, and you can speak to this more, Christina, starts out with like his whole family. And it was his kindness and his heart that kind of uh, started him off in a certain path. But as he is accessing his power, I think that gives him something not only for like the people around him, but also for himself. Like he actually sees himself change in, in every challenge and grow. And I think that's just like beautiful when he starts embracing all of himself, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea that I just had in the moment while we were talking about this is why don't we get some like, why don't we whip out some coaching 101? And what I mean by that is I thought it would be really cool if we looked at these characters, looked at the strengths of what their automatic bring them, and also some of the pitfalls or or I don't want to say weaknesses, but part of the way where perhaps power or heart doesn't serve them. And then maybe we could talk about how, like how incredible it is when they start to bring in the other thing and where we really see that in their series. How does that sound to you? Ooh, let's do it. <laughs> cool. So let's start yeah. off. Yeah. So let's start off with Kenshin, our original, you know, sword wielding badass. So I think at this point, it's fair to say that Kenshin's automatic and what he becomes most reputable for is his power. Powerful samurai, powerful swordsman. So what about Kenshin's power is useful to him? Like, what are the benefits of being that powerful? He doesn't die. He won't get killed. (laughs) And this is like, and I I mean that lightly, but also like, seriously, it's, it's in this world that Kenshin is in, it's really war torn. And so you have to be strong in order to survive. And that's one of the reasons that he's, he's so strong is because that's basically what he's done in order to move forward and keep himself alive is become stronger and become stronger. Uh, so in that way, it's both his, that's, that's really the intention behind it. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, what, what we see in the series, even as Kenshin is working on this reformation journey, so to speak, is with that power comes the ability to live, but also it comes with a lot of fear. Like we actually see instances where people recognize Kenshin and realize who he is and immediately cast him out. They don't want anything to do with him. They relate to him as dangerous. And I think from that place, when you are strictly and purely powerful, the thing that you don't get to have is relationships with people. Like you end up very isolated as a result. Yeah, so, and definitely, um, I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but the tragic event that happens as a result that really shifts tension is when he ends up marrying, um, I think it was the sister of someone that he had killed. Oh, no, it was fiance. He ended up killing uh, his wife's fiance, and she married him to get revenge. And she ends up tragically dying. She actually ends up falling in love with him and then tragically dying to save Kenshin. Um, and that's when he decides that it's over. But even that relationship is, is like 
as a result of the actions and who he was being in, in terms of power and strength um, in its most, you know, in its most radical form. Totally. So as we know, Kenshin gets the series to be his redemption story. Like even episode one, you don't know him for who he is. You know, there's a legend out there of this Potosai and you just see this kind of quirky, happy-go-lucky guy that seems to mistakenly step into unfortunate circumstances. And so we see him start to intentionally pull on bringing more of his heart. And Mary, what would you say are like some of the most amazing growths in Kenshin's character that we see as a result of that? You know, I actually think that the transformation for Kenshin happened even before we see it. Because when he, once he reaches this new village where he meets Kaoru and her, and Kaoru is the, one of the main characters in the show. And she has like a dojo where she's teaching, she's teaching martial arts and Kenshin ends up there and she ends up taking him in. But I think actually Kenshin's transformation happened before because when we meet Kenshin, he's like so happy and like kind of enlightened. <laughs> like something happened to him between then and now where he was like, no, this is, this is done and this is the new way I'm living my life. And he's an enlightened form. And I think it was really the tragedy of losing that loved one kind of shifted something in him. And he said, um, never again. And this is my new way. Like, I'm never going to kill someone intentionally again. And we see that commitment. And I think it's that commitment that actually gives him access to heart and to that sense of peace that he didn't have. Yeah, I love that. And so I think we're doing a really great job of talking about this in that like higher elevated coaching sense. But if we were just going to like nerd out for a second and just like reminisce on favorite scenes from the series, like what would you say is one of those scenes that like really brings you to what we're talking about? The sense of like going from strictly power and like integrating all of it. Uh, I think Actually, Christina, I think any episode in Kenshin, because this is the thing, he's built like all this reputation and people actually come out to find, they seek him out to challenge him and his strength. And it's like in every episode, he actually has to choose to stay as the Kenshin he knows or choose something different. And it's like, it's always a choice. And he sticks like throughout the series, he sticks to his new commitment, which I think is beautiful. And I think it's a testament to all the access to possibility and the new possibilities that he has. Oh my God, I love that so much. And, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, the, the perk of Rurouni Kenshin being an older series is that we know how it ends and we know that Kenshin gets his happy ending in a lot of ways. But if it's cool to start to pivot over to the Demon Slayer side of things, like Demon Slayer is fresh, hot, new. It's one season in. They've got a movie coming out in a couple months now. And perfectly, it picks up where Kenshin leaves off in some ways. Because here you have Tanjiro, who is the heart-centered cinnamon roll of shonen these days, in the sense that when we first start off, he is pure innocent would do like his family is his whole world he really hasn't seen much outside of his own mountainside cabin and he wouldn't have it any other way so what would you say are some of the perks of Tanjiro being the kind sympathetic character that he is Mary you know I think for him it's 
there's so much love that he brings. And I think that's actually inspiring for the people around him um, because they're not used to seeing it. You know, again, this is another place where it's war-torn, where there's a lot of demons, where there are a lot of monsters. But his ability to have access to his heart like that actually makes him really relatable and people gravitate to that and they want to cheer him on. And I think that's probably one of his superpowers in all of this. And it's also, I think, easier to protect his sister that way when he's coming from here. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the the gift of Tanjiro's heart is it's what has him face this quest in the first place. Because, you know, if the only person he thought of was himself, he would have allowed Nesuko to be slain. But it's his love for family and his love for her as a sister that ultimately has him willing to challenge himself and see what it will take to be a demon slayer and both keep her safe and also ultimately hopefully turn her back into a human. Okay, Christina, question, really important question. Mm-hmm. If you were working with Tanjiro, what would be the one coaching thing that you would focus on with him at the early, on the early onset? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's so funny. I think the early onset of it would be in, in a lot of ways, what's also the pitfalls of having such a big heart. Because what we see is, you know, Tanjiro is this young boy who weeps as he's slaying the demons that he's meant to be slaying. And while it's beautiful and tender and it reminds us of his humanity, many times it's also the thing that gets him into a lot of trouble because he doesn't really know how to articulate it with other demon slayers. And so here's this boy who's lost all sense of family and struggles to assert himself, at least early in the series, struggles to assert himself around other demon slayers to have them respect his way of thinking. He's a little too much of a pushover. He's willing to be a loner about it rather than actually like, you know, stick his sword in the dirt, so to speak, and say like, hey, like I'm this way for a reason and it's super powerful. And here's why you should be in on it with me because this is how we're going to collaborate. Can you imagine if both Tanjiro and Kenshin had had that lesson early on? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to say, I'd love the series if you just put the two of them together. It'd be interesting to see what happened. Oh, totally. I, I love their balance and I love the inverse relationship that they have. And together, I think it would be such a really cool, fun story. Yeah, well, especially like, as we know, Kenshin's a powerhouse. And I think if Tanjiro had that same sense of power, and even more so going into the series and seeing him start to create that power and own that power, what becomes available to him isn't just the desire to protect Nezuko, but actually the ability to. And, you know, for me, I think the the scene that I nerd out the most over about this series, and spoiler alert, but again, it was all over Twitter, and it's actually the scene that got me to watch this series, is you have episode 19, which forever changed the face of animation. Thank you, UFO Table, for your services. And what I'm talking about is the scene where Tanjiro is running up to Rui. He has no idea how he'll win. He's seeing his life flash before him. And immediately he becomes connected to a power that's uniquely his, the power of sun dancing, sun dance breathing, the technique. And you just have the craziest, most amazing fight scene 
It was gorgeous. It was horrifying. It was amazing. Maybe you laughed. Maybe you cried. But either way, you felt something when you watched it. Do you know what I mean, Mary? Am I... (laughs) I do know what you mean, Christina. I have had many of those moments, many of those beautiful moments, but yeah, totally, totally. And if you haven't seen it, you don't know, then watch it and then comment and let us know what you think about it. Yeah, totally. Um, but that that's me on my hor- high horse about Demon Slayer. I think what I would love to hear for you, Mary, especially because you're not as diehard about it as I am, at least not yet. You're getting there what would be the thing that you would want to work on in this heart and power conversation? I think that's a, uh, I think that's a interesting one. Um, Cause there are a lot of things that I see for Tanjiro. I think, uh, I think what I'd really love to presence him to is like himself in some ways, like he, he is driven, his motivations are driven by everyone else and like his family, especially his sister. And I'd love, I'd love him to think of himself a little bit more and just take the time to really say, okay, who am I? What do I want? You know, what does this look like? And in some ways be selfish in order to access some of that power. You know, what is it that I enjoy? What is it that, um, what is it that drives me independently of my sister, of my family, of everything else around me? And I think that would be really cool to see and have a conversation with him around. Yeah, I love that. What I hear in it is how do you make both your heart and your power your own? Like have it speak authentically to who you are. Yeah, yeah, and I think he gets there to your point. I think he very much gets there, but I would love to have seen that, you know, if he had a coach, I think that's the one thing I would work on him at the early onset. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up this episode, the The thing that I'm really present to is how oftentimes in anime there are foils of the same theme. With Kenshin, you have a powerful figure looking to reclaim his heart. With Tanjiro, you have a pure little compassionate cinnamon roll looking to claim his power. But for both of them, it's almost always in service of their relationships and believing in love and commitment and wanting to protect those that matter to them. So what I would love for our listeners is, you know, once this episode comes out, make sure whether it's on Instagram, via email, if you notice other characters that kind of fall into these dualities, whether they bring all their wisdom and none of their curiosity, or they bring all of their playfulness and none of their seriousness, and especially who notice pairs, I'd love to know your favorite characters and and who falls into this conversation of not having two amazing things happen at the same time. Yeah, or even share us what you think yours are. I mean, I think we all have them. It'd be really fun to have this conversation around not only what you see in anime and manga, but also what you see for yourselves in it. Ooh, I love that. Before we sign off, do you want to fill us in on what yours is, Mary? Mine's is definitely connection and power. I love that. Yeah, mine is, you know, bring my connected sense of home, but also my witty brilliance. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> If we had more time, I'd tell you to tell us more. <laughs> well, if you want more, let us know. Make it an episode suggestion. But in the meantime, this has been Coach Taku. We are Mary and Christina. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next step. Bye, everyone. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. 
Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Takupod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram, and you can follow Mary at raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.